Hello and good day, beautiful podcast family. What a privilege and honor to be with you as always. I hope wherever you are on planet Earth, you are doing fantastic. And I am sending you all of my love, well wishes, prayers, good vibes, energy, and support your way. We have got a fantastic episode of the show for ta- for today. We have my friend Jamie Janover on. We met in Egypt with the Resonant Science Foundation. Jamie is so knowledgeable in so many different areas. So this is a really tremendous episode. We talk about the work of Nassim Haramine, uh, who Jamie may know better than anyone on the world. in the world. We talk about the states of matter, uh, the many words for ether, prana, chi, the double split uh, experiment evolved. So I learned something with that because I was familiar with the double split, but not what Jamie shared. So that was amazing. We talk about ancient civilizations, extraterrestrials, uh, why nature is a master teacher, biology versus non-biology, uh, biology feedback mechanisms, exploring black holes, the vector equilibrium, the Ark of the Covenant. Holy smokes, we cover a lot of stuff in here. So uh, Jamie's a really fascinating guy, incredibly knowledgeable, has been diving down these uh, rabbit holes and and uh, fields of information from ancient technologies, energy, physics for many, many years. So this is a tremendous episode. Um, If you want to support the show, please uh, share it as as far and as wide as you can. Uh, The best thing you can do, go to mattbailair.com become a member uh they are now working on uh deleting i got my first warning on patreon said i can't share what i'm sharing i need to delete it so if you are a patron please uh cancel that go to mattbelair.com become a member over there you can choose whatever donation if there's not the donation amount uh that you that you want um just let me know and i'll make a donation for you if you still want to contribute that would be amazing and i'd appreciate your support for that uh (laughs) because it's crazy and um so yeah so share, leave a review. All those things are really, really helpful to get the word out. Um, But the most important thing you could do is consider to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world. That's the best way to support the show. And for those of you guys who want to work one-on-one, you want a master step system for uh, overcoming your self-sabotage, strengthening your connection with spirit, overcoming fear. You know, this is for people who really want to make a difference in the world. Uh, You want clarity on your life direction and purpose. You know, you want to, you might have a job, but you want to vote Location. You want to know what your calling is and uh, you want to architect your reality deliberately based on spiritual values, who you are, connection with spirit and all that kind of thing. Um, reach out to me, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. Um, we can look at coaching or the coaching group. Would love to have you and support you. There's many ways and tools to really help you know who you are, architect your life from your heart, from your soul, to know your uh, life purpose and would love to be working with you. So hit me up, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. And um, that's it. So did I get everything? Yeah, I think I got everything. So yeah, um, also Telegram. Uh, hit me up on Telegram. Uh, YouTube has put me in the censorship jail again, so I can't post there. So go to Rockfin forward slash Matt Belair. I'm also on Odyssey. So like I said, the best way to stay in touch is become a member at mattbelair.com. You can do it for free or by donation. Uh, you'll see some donation amounts there. If you need it for free, just send me an email, matt at zenathlete.com, and I'll happily give it to you. Also, rockfin forward slash Matt Belair, and I'm on Odyssey. So uh, we're getting through this together, and uh, you know the truth will come up. You can't delete it everywhere. It's just going to keep popping up. So I appreciate you guys, um, and let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in wherever you are in the world to stop what you're doing taking a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath 
and let it out slowly, filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, enthusiasm, love, inspiration, courage, strength, and ready to enjoy this fantastic episode with my friend, Jamie Janover. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. As you know, we are facing extreme censorship alongside many other truth seekers out there. If you want to support this show, please go over to mattbelair.com, become a member, share episodes, leave a review, but most importantly, consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest has long been interested in the intersection of science, music, and all things considered spiritual. Having studied both music and psychology, he began delving into the world of physics. When he came across physicist Nassim Haramein presenting his unified field theory, the dots connected. He has been delving ever deeper into the world of unified physics, music, and the study of ancient civilizations through the lens of Nassim Haramein, Graham Hancock, and many others ever since and has been giving lectures all over the world. He is a faculty member in the Resonance Academy and hosts a course he called Ancient Egypt Revisited. Welcome to the show, Jamie Janover. Thanks, Matt. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, this has been a long time coming. You know, we met in Egypt. I, I, I love your work, and I've, I've seen some of your presentations. You've been uh, doing this for a long time, and I really love the, the musical as aspect of, of how you see things because I did uh, an interview way back with Eric Rankin who did Sonic Geometry. And so I think the intersection of music, geometry, and physics is so fascinating, and it really gives you a unique lens in how you view all of that information. Um, so I just shared a little bit about your bio. Why don't you just introduce us and tell us a little bit about what you're working on or how you came into really diving into these subjects. Well, like you were saying, music has been central to, to my life. And, and I started playing music when I was a teenager. And then long story short, you know, I eventually became a touring musician. And I was kind of intuitively checking out different things and having conversations with people, connecting dots. And somebody eventually along the way says, sounds like you'd be interested in this book, The Tao of Physics. And I'm like, The Tao of Physics? What's that? And I was like, okay, I'll check out that book, Fritov Opera. And I was like, oh, no way, really? Ancient Chinese mysticism is saying the same thing as modern physics? That seems unusual. <laughs> like, is that a coincidence? If it's not a coincidence, then it's probably pointing to something super central, right? There's a line and there's a page in that book that's like a quote of Lao Tzu and a quote of Einstein on the same page. You read them back and forth and you're like, these guys are saying the same thing in a, in, in a different way from different perspectives. So then I started reading all sorts of books for the layman about physics because I'm not a physicist. I have a degree in psychology, so I understand science and I had to take statistics and things like this. But um, I read Tao of Physics and I read Dancing Wooly Masters and Elegant Universe by Brian Greene and Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking and all these classic books. Then fast forward to 2002, I'm at my friend's festival uh, in Oregon and I see my old friend Amber and she goes, oh yeah, 
I broke up with uh, the guy I was with when we last saw each other, but I have a new boyfriend. His name is Nassim Haramain, and he's doing a presentation on unified field theory. And I said, oh, really cool. I'm interested in that. I just read all these books. So I see Nassim Haramain present and I go, wait a minute. This guy's saying some stuff that's way out of left field, like totally different than some of the stuff that I read in the in these books. But he also said a lot of the stuff that is in those books. And so this is outside the box, you know. And so I think my impression of the first time I saw this information from Nassim was a lot of it went over my head. Some of it I didn't understand. Some of it I did. And then some of it, I just got super strong hit of intuition that there was something deeper that needed to be investigated. So I saw Nassim speak a bunch of times. I started to understand his theory. I asked him if it was okay if I try to explain it to people. He said, yeah, actually, I need help to have people explain my theory because I need to stay in my lab doing work and research to prove my theories, not spend all my time explaining the stuff that I already figured out. I said, well, that's really cool. I'd like to do that because I really enjoy that process of distilling information, trying to make it really digestible and really short so that somebody can be like, oh, that's really cool. I, I understand. And then you send them off on their own journey. Like you don't always have the time to try to explain everything right to everybody because it takes a long time. What you really need to do, I find, is to just get somebody fascinated enough in a topic that they're motivated to like seek it out themselves. And so you give them some really well communicated nugget of knowledge, right? And I'm, you're one of the masters of that. Like you've been doing this for a long time of being like, hi, I'm here to try to explain some stuff. And I have my friend here to help us, you know, in an area that, of their expertise. And so in a way I'm doing a similar thing, but I'm doing it very specifically on, you know, a unified field theory of physics that explains everything in the universe. And so that's what I'm most interested in is like the universal stuff, the stuff that doesn't just apply to this planet. Like you could go to another planet and the stuff still applies there. Right. So, you know, it's been a fascinating thing because like Nassim has cracked some serious information open and he's shown where there's problems in the history of physics. And this was a while ago, this was 2002. So we're coming on 20 years next year that I've been working on this and following all this stuff. And Nassim has predicted a lot of stuff that is now coming true in terms of like, the discoveries, the technology, the realizing certain things that we think might be incorrect are now definitely incorrect. You know, the, the kind of the history of knowledge in the human race, right? Like we think we understand something and then somebody goes, yeah, actually, as far as I can tell, we're not the center of the universe. And poor Copernicus and Galileo almost got burnt at the stake for saying something that was outside the box. And now today you say something outside the box, you get banned, you know, or you, there's a troll that makes a blog about how your theory is incorrect and stuff like this. So, uh, you know, just navigating the waters of like rapid, rapid change in every aspect of science and society and consciousness. It's an interesting time to be alive, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, these these ideas, especially at this point in history, we're seeing such a technological evolution, right, of, of quantum leaps and everything, right? So we don't even know what's possible. And this kind of also ties into consciousness, you know, and so you've done some work and you did a course on Egypt, we met in Egypt. And so, you know, 
the Egyptian culture is fascinating in itself. And I remember I just read the Kybalian recently and they talked about like the five elements and included ether, right? Saying, no, the ether is an element. Like that is something you could actually work with. And um, when I, I can't remember who it was, but they talked about the noosphere, you know, and how, you know, there's this collective consciousness, same idea. So I know unified field theory has a little bit of that, but how does, how do those two ideas work into your understanding of unified field theory? Uh, well, I mean, it could be said that the ether is the only thing that there is really. It's kind of like, it just reminded me of the, the states of matter. Remember how we were taught that there's like these three states of matter, liquid, solid, and gas. And then we discovered plasma and we were like, Ooh, the fourth state of matter. And it's like, you guys, just because we found them in that order doesn't mean that's the fourth state of matter. It's like plasma is the only state of matter. That's what stars are made of, right? Us and all this stuff that you see, that's plasma that's cooled down, right? Liquid, solid, and gas are all just plasma that cooled down. So like, there's really only one thing. There's only one thing. Call it whatever you want. There's only one thing start there. That's a good place to start. And then you're like, what do you mean? There's only one thing. What is that one thing? That's a good question. Some people like, what is the one thing that connects all things? Some people would say God right away. Other people would say love or light, but literally the one thing that connects all things is space. And then people usually think, oh yeah, space, right? Like you mean like outer space. It's like, well, yeah, it's out there, but it's also in here too. Like you're made of that, right? Wait, what am I made of? I'm made of matter. What's matter? Uh, we don't really know. Where does mass come from? Do physicists know where mass comes from? Not exactly. They have their theory that there was nothing and that the universe just banged out of nothing. There was a singularity, infinitely small thing, right? And then like, boom, space was created and now space is getting bigger and bigger. So like, okay, what is space? What's up with that, right? Is there any, is it random? Is there a structure to it? Is there energy in it? Is there a dynamic to it? Because atoms are what matter really is like all matter we've ever found we've never found any matter that's not made of atoms as far as we can tell and so you're like okay what's an atom <laughs> again we're like we kind of know what an atom is we're trying to figure it out but we know that it's mostly space it's 99.999999% space and then there's a little bit of stuff that's not space that we call electrons protons neutrons quarks leptons, all these different particles in the standard model of physics, which explains all these particles, but it doesn't exactly explain how they're connected or where they come from. And it certainly doesn't include gravity. So our best theory that we have in physics doesn't include one of the most important forces, right? Gravity. How does that work? We still don't know, obviously. And then this theory that we think is so good starts to say, well, there should be a certain amount of mass out there. And then when we look for that mass, we can't find it. And so then we make up a new kind of mass and we call it dark matter because we can't find it. And it's 95% of the universe. Like, really? It's just like, has anybody gone back and been like, maybe we should relook at this because missing 95% of the universe and making up a new type of matter out of thin air and asking for billions of dollars so you can research it and still not finding it after decades and decades and hundreds of billions of dollars later, guys, your theory might be incorrect. Maybe you should go back. And so Nassim went back and was like, 
you guys, you renormalized the energy that's in space because space is not empty. It's completely filled with energy at the quantum scale, tiny, tiny little vibrations, so small that you don't really know that they're there, right? We can barely detect them because they're on such a small scale. We're talking billions of times smaller than a proton, which is really small inside an atom, which is really small inside a molecule, which is really small inside of a cell, which is really small inside of a protein, which is really small compared to your body. And so we don't have a direct experience of it. So we think, oh yeah, space is empty. Don't worry about that. Like, oh, yeah, I can feel the air as I move my hand. But if I was in between galaxies in the vacuum of space and I move my hand, there's nothing there. There's no viscosity to that. That is incorrect. It's like filled with energy. So when you account for the energy and you don't renormalize it, which is a mathematical trick that they did a long time ago and it got kind of cemented into the physics textbooks, then you realize that space is the one thing it's the ether, it's the connecting fabric of all the energy and all the mass and all the forces. And so it is one unified thing. And so you could think of that as consciousness as well. So like the unified field maybe is God, maybe it is consciousness, maybe it is the newosphere, maybe it is the zero point field, the quantum foam, vacuum, space, right? Uh, source field, mana, prana, chi, call it whatever you want right? Ancient civilizations called it many things. Eventually it started being called the ether and physicists didn't like that. And they were like, oh no, not the ether. That sounds like magic. We can't have magic in physics. So they got rid of the ether and Einstein, he knew, he was like, you, you guys, my theory doesn't really work unless there's this continual fabric that connects it all an ether type of situation. And then within space-time, you realize, oh, it actually curves to infinity. It forms these things called wormholes or Einstein-Rosen bridges. And so at the quantum scale, that's happening as well. These little quantum wormholes connecting everything. That's how entanglement happens, right? Where you have two particles, you change the polarity of one, the polarity of the other changes at the same time, even if they're on the other side of the galaxy from each other. So the information is transferring faster than the speed of light, which is supposedly not able to happen. So... All bets are off is what I'm saying. Like every time we think we understand how the universe works, something else comes along that shows us that we don't really understand. When you look at the ancient civilizations, they were saying stuff that's in alignment with the most cutting edge modern physics that is different than the old physics, right? So maybe we should look back to ancient times because these guys obviously knew some stuff. How were they building the Great Pyramid? even if it was 4,500 years ago, which it wasn't, it was much older than that. How are they able to do that? Because there's the physical evidence. You can be as skeptical as you want, put a skeptic in front of the Great Pyramid and ask him how it was built. And no matter what they say, there's probably physics to show that that explanation doesn't really make a lot of sense, right? Like the slaves and the vine ropes and the ramps and all that stuff. So that's my nutshell <laughs> uh, explanation of like, how there really is just one thing and you can call it whatever you want. But if you really get down to the fundamentals of it, it's like, what's going on here? Where are we? Right. And how did we get here and where are we going and how did all this happen? No one knows. You could have Stephen Hawking and the Pope sitting here on this call right now and ask them, how did the universe start? And they'd have totally different stories. And I would give them about equal weight because like big bang, God, who knows? I mean, those things, no one knows what either of those things are or if that's correct or not. We're just trying to figure it out here on this planet at this time. And, you know, things are crazy on this planet at this time. <laughs>
Yeah, man. Well, that that's a that's a mouthful right there. I love it all. It it brings up so many different ideas for me, like um, like connecting to this field in a way like from a martial arts background they do talk about chi and how to you know harness the energy of the field which is a very fascinating thing um but then you look at i love how you said you know all bets are off because when you go into quantum physics and you look at the double split experiment where you know particles or atoms are disappearing and reappearing you know and at, you know doing these very anomalous things is like how much can we know here you know our our eyes take a very limited bit of the light spectrum you know our ears a little bit of the sound spectrum but then we go into physics and we want to explain our reality then you get into the quantum realm and it doesn't even behave normally so it's very it's very confusing there's also it's like almost a surrender right like we're looking at cutting edge physics but we can only know a little bit but it's very fascinating when you go back into ancient civilizations and what they were able to build and leave you know and then encode Right. And, and I think that you would agree that, you know, these buildings and these ancient civilizations left clues, let's let markers, let let uh, information span through time. So maybe we would rediscover it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, maybe some of the things you've learned from these ancient civilizations or, or what's most important for us to know about them. Because when I went to Egypt with you and the Resident Science Foundation, I didn't realize how many other sacred sites there were. And by sacred sites, it's these you know sites that we really can't build now. And they're all over the planet. And they're so incredible in their structure, like Angkor Wat. I was there in Cambodia and it was phenomenal. Um, you know, going to the Mayan temples in, in Guatemala, you know, they, they, they're so astounding, you know, being in Egypt and the Great Pyramid, like, why is this thing so massive? And there's only a few rooms in here. What the hell was this? And to know that there was a casing stone and, and that's of all the shocking information, that was kind of one that was a mind blower for me to know that there was another stone at the outside that made it completely flat. So what the heck were they used for? So I'd love to hear your two cents on, you know, your thoughts on all of that and what you think that the pyramids did from all the theories you've, you've listened to. Yeah, I want to just before I jump into the pyramid, I want to touch back on what you were saying about quantum physics and the double slit experiment and stuff happening that doesn't uh, seem normal. Um, that's super dependent on what we consider to be normal, right? So as it turns out with that double slit experiment, it's a pretty important point because I think a lot of people have seen What the Bleep Do We Know, that movie where they explain that experiment. And then there's a cartoon guy that comes on, uh, Dr. Quantum Weirdness or something, or Dr. Quantum, and he talks about quantum weirdness. And so people get this sense of like the spiritual community is like, aha, you see this double slit experiment proves that consciousness or my thoughts and my intentions affect the physical world and that you can manifest stuff through your thoughts. Like, you create your own reality, right? Which is half true because reality also creates you. It's a two-way street. You don't just only create your own reality. And so the thing about that double slit experiment is it's not actually weird at all. And it's not, not normal at all. The explanation is very, very logical because they've reproduced that experiment, not firing electrons through a slit, but having a bath of silicone and then getting little silicon balls to form on the surface of the silicon and then throw that through the slits, right? So on a macro scale, <laughs> redoing that experiment. And basically the bottom line is that your particle is moving through a field like a boat going through water. 
And so a boat going through water makes waves. And so the particle moving makes waves. And so when you are an observer observing the experiment, you're making waves in the same pool or ocean as the experiment. So it's, it's like if you had two boats, right? You're like, here's my experiment. And then you're another boat watching the experiment and you make a wake and your wake interferes with the wake of the experiment and it makes a different pattern. And you go, aha, look, my thoughts made reality change. And it's like, no, you're swimming in a pool with the same experiment. Like, and they're forgetting that space is not empty. So this electron is not going through nothing. <laughs> the electron's going through all kinds of energy and it's making a wave as it goes. And so that's why you get this different interference pattern on the plate behind the slit. It's is not that, because of magic, you know. Is that so? Are you saying that that's the observer effect, like creating sure. a wake? So when because that's when it when things get weird. And I love how you said it's normal, which is awesome. Um, so when they when they create the observer, that's the initial wake to change what the result in the slit would be. Yeah, you can't be in the same space as an experiment and and think that you're not affecting the experiment. Just your observation, just the fact that you're there perceiving stuff. Like every single thing affects every other thing. It's because it's all connected, right? And Nassim Haramein's unified field theory says that a proton is made to 10, 10, of, 10 to the 60 Planck spherical units. Those are tiny little spherical oscillations, the size of the Planck length, which is the smallest possible vibration of the electromagnetic spectrum discovered by Max Planck, which is 1.616 times 10 to the negative 33 centimeters. It's an incredibly small thing, right? And then there's 10 to the 40 of these things on the surface of the proton with 10 to the 40 quantum wormholes connecting to other protons in the structure of space-time. So like everything is touching, They're, everything's connected. You, you are directly mechanically, physically connected to every point in the entire universe right now. And it's hard to feel like that. It's hard to see that. It's hard to visualize that. But when you understand the physics, then you can start to feel that. And, and some ascended masters of the past have been trying to tell us this in many different ways before the invention of physics. So they said very metaphoric, abstract things about this, but they were tapping into this field and trying to get us to understand this. And I'm talking Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, like all the religions were kind of tapping into the same exact thing, but they were explaining it in a different way. And boy, is that important because man, right now on the surface of this planet, one of our biggest issues is that there's people that are really pissed that other people believe different things than they believe. And they get so upset that sometimes they even like get violent about it. And Boy, it's so unfortunate to say the least, because as you start to understand the geometry of the space, because this is where it all comes down to, the space isn't random, it's filled with energy, it has a structure. What's the study of the structure of space called? It's called geometry. Okay, so what's the geometry of the structure of space-time itself? Turns out it's very fundamental. And it's encoded by all these ancient civilizations. So these ancient civilizations obviously knew about the geometry of space-time. And then you're like, how did they know about this? How did they figure this out? Maybe this information came from another tetra. It's extra tetra 
real information. So then it starts to point towards extraterrestrials. And then as soon as you start talking about anything having to do with life, not on this planet, unfortunately, you lose a pretty large chunk of the population where their eyes glaze over and they go, oh God, don't start talking about aliens. You know, they're going to be like, oh no, you can't tell me about physics and aliens in the same sentence because you've just discredited yourself. You know, it's like, because we're living in the old days right now. It's still like ancient times where we still don't understand what the hell's going on around here. And saying about extraterrestrials was like, oh, you're crazy. Now, thankfully, that's changed 20 years later after I started looking into this. And it's all over the news and the Pentagon is going, yeah, we're going to release stuff. Yeah, here's another video of some ships over our battleship off San Diego. We don't know what these triangles are and all this stuff. Like, So that story is changing a little bit, but it all leads to like huge big picture. You go into any one of these wormholes and it eventually connects back to well, how do we get here? What's going on? How, what happened in the past on this planet? Why is this like this? Why are people doing these things? It all goes back to like the most foundational thing of like everybody, all biology, all minerals, all planets, all stars, all comets, all gases, all of it is just space oscillating in different configurations, you know, different vibrations. And so it's like geometry, and vibration. So it's just a field vibrating. And what's outside this bubble, we're not exactly sure, but it's pretty likely there's a bunch of other universes and our universe is a tiny little dot in a much larger structure and it goes infinite. So maybe there's no beginning, maybe there's no end. No one really knows. The idea of a beginning and an end seems like a human idea, not a universe idea. Um, who knows? Maybe there was never a beginning and maybe there's never an end. We don't know. That's what's so interesting. It's like an infinite mystery. No one's going to figure this out in our lifetime. And if they do, there's probably something more. You know, every time we think we understand, we learn something else and we realize how nothing we knew before that. Um, and that never stops as far as I can tell. Um, so we have an infinite amount of fun to have basically in the rest of our lives as we try to figure this stuff out. <laughs> So it's not bad. It's just, you know, but there's a lot of unfortunate behavior happening because people are awfully confused. And the less confused you are, the more you understand about how things actually are, you can align yourself, your thoughts, your actions, your society, your systems to be in alignment with and resonance with and in collaboration with the natural forces of the universe. And then you have less resistance and more flow and most importantly, more fun. And you can make better music and like make people laugh harder and stuff like that. Uh, well, I, I love the closing sentence there. And, you know, it's interesting because I feel like part of being human, we're supposed to engage in this mystery. So we have the free will choice to decide you know? And so when people are in fear, um, often they can become more angry and violent. And that's, that's just, you know, that's disharmonious. And what we want to do is, like you said, put ourselves into alignment, but can be really challenging when people are very afraid, um, they're becoming violent and they're very confused. We're not sure what is going on. And even when we're exploring things like physics and, you know, medicine and history, right? Like, you know, when we were in Egypt, they were telling us that even in their schools, they said, you know, the, they were teaching the Egyptians that they were 2000 years old. Um, but we know from, you know, some amazing work that that is very unlikely, you know, it's, it's much more likely that they're at least 10,000 years old and who knows even, even longer. So reality in it, 
is always going to be evolving. Information will always evolve. And so I'm just curious your thoughts on how do we connect to that knowing and, and harmonize with nature? Because if it is this surrender idea that, you know, we're not going to know everything, but we'll know a little bit, how do we connect with this powerful force that we are a part of the unified field consciousness or things like that? Cause I think that what the masters were also teaching was to go within, you know what I mean? To have stillness, to have silence, and then also to express yourself in the mystery. So the knowing comes from that impulse of who and what you are in the most honest way that you are connected to everything. And then as a human, you get to express that in the world, you know, and you're doing it in a mysterious way because you, you don't know for sure. You don't know if you make this choice or take this job or go on this date, if it's going to work out, right? It would be no fun if we did that, right? So we kind of, we come from this place of inner knowing and we get to express that in the mystery. We're all doing our own experiments. You know, we're all, we're all seeing what works and what doesn't. And so I feel like often we take it so serious and we're so attached to our one perspective, right? This is everything that I went through in my life and why I know what I know, blah, blah, blah. And unless you believe that same thing, then we have conflict. But you know, just like when I was studying martial arts from Bruce Lee, um, not personally, obviously, but um, he would just say, you know, the same technique might not work for two people, right? If you're really tall and skinny, that might not work for a person who's shorter and thicker, right? You might modify that. So I feel like when we can honor another person's perspective, um, but really also honor ourselves and how we want to express and experiment and live and do it in a peaceful way where we're not causing harm, uh, we, we are getting more closely aligned to um, nature and the fabric of reality and, and kind of harmonizing with this space. Yeah. To tap into that, to get into, you know, how to align with that, you know, one really simple way is to just go spend time in nature because nature is explaining to you how things work every second that you're out there. You know, you can just see that everything's dependent on everything else and it's all interconnected. Um, but to get even more fundamental than that, you think about, well, what is nature? Like nature's made of, is biology and biology has this different kind of situation than what we would call inert matter. And whether or not there's a difference fundamentally, I think remains to be seen. In other words, maybe everything can be considered to be alive, but let's just for now, just talk biology versus non-biology. Biology has an increase increased feedback mechanism going on, right? Where we take in information and we put information out. And that's very fundamental because when you break down what's actually going on in the universe, the Sim Harmane's theory says that everything is a black hole. And just to do a really quick recap, most people think black hole and they're like, oh, that's a cosmological sized object out there in outer space, really far away. It's really big. It's black. You can't see it. It has a super strong gravitational field and it's sucking everything in like a giant vacuum cleaner. That's the kind of impression I got in school. I was like, okay, it's a giant funnel in the sky sucking everything in. And you're like, wait, is that really what black holes are? No, that's not correct. Black holes don't just suck things in. They also radiate. So Nassim Haramein is showing how space-time is curling like water going down the drain to stillness, to singularity. And it does it equal and opposite style. It's not just a funnel. It's a funnel going to stillness, and then there's an equino-opposite funnel going the opposite direction, right? So it's two funnels, and then the information goes out, and then it goes in, and then it goes out, and it forms a dual torus, 
it spins in one direction this way and in this way. So it's like one giant torus with two smaller toruses, tori nested with an accretion disk, like a plane where the information comes out more concentrated than in other directions, kind of like in our galaxy, when you look into the sky and you see that stripe of stars, that's the galactic disk. That's the equator of the galaxy. And then there's less stars in the halo out there. So the, yeah, the galaxy is a supermassive black hole. The sun is a black hole. The earth has a black hole in the center of it. And atoms, protons themselves are black holes. This is the Sims theory. And so for people that are not familiar, it's like, wait, 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 what? How is that possible? Why am I not being sucked into the center of the earth right now? You are being sucked into the center of the earth right now. It's called gravity, right? Um, why isn't the earth being sucked into the sun? It is being sucked into the sun, but it's also orbiting. It has angular momentum. So it has a stable orbit. So in other words, there's everything's a black hole. So then you're like, okay, if everything's a black hole, then if I want to connect to that, I should act like a black hole. I should have information come in and then also go out. And so if you want to get your black hole to spin really fast, if you want your field to spin really fast, if you want to have a lot of energy and have a lot of output, what do you have to do? You have to learn how to point all your attention in <laughs> to the stillness. The stiller you can get in the middle, the faster you can spin, like an ice skater is spinning if they want to spin faster, they don't go like this, like, yeah, spin faster. They go like this, right? So like the tighter you can bring your awareness to the center of your existence, the farther out it spreads. So you might want to act like a black hole. And while you're at it, you might want to put your body into the geometry of space-time, which is a tetrahedral array, right? You put a bunch of tetrahedrons together and you get a grid of tetrahedrons like this. Here's 64 of them. And at 64 tetrahedrons, you get perfect balance in the center. It's called a cube octahedron. So this is a cube octahedron inside of a cube octahedron. Perfectly balanced geometry, what Buckminster Fuller called the vector equilibrium. It's a vector equilibrium inside of a vector equilibrium. And then you could put more tetrahedrons in at 512, you get another octave and then you get another octave. Same thing as computer software program, like memory systems and the DNA molecule and a bunch of other things like the I Ching right behind you all 64. So you're like, okay, tetrahedrons, black holes. Oh, you mean like I should try to make my body into a tetrahedron? Like I put my legs like this and I sit like that and I become a tetrahedron. And then I have information come in and then I have it go out something like, oh, that's why they told me to sit like that and breathe. Now it makes sense. I'm actually doing the geometry and the dynamics of space-time at the same time. Oh, thank you, Ascended Masters. You were telling me how to do this before the invention of physics. Boy, that must have been really difficult. Yeah, no wonder so many people interpreted it in different ways and got all confused and started fighting against each other. The I Ching, the Mayan calendar, the Torah, the Quran, it's all pointing to the same geometry, as you'll see when you go deep into these traditions. And so Everybody stop fighting right now. Everybody's praying in a different way, just like there's different styles of music. Like I play dubstep and I play bluegrass. And those two groups are not fighting each other. They're like, oh, you guys play like that. That's interesting. I don't really like that kind of music. I'm going to play like this. I dance like this. I dance like this. I pray like this. My faith goes like this. Cool. You guys pray like that. And we'll pray like that. And we'll take the wall away and stop sending the bombs over the wall. Because like... Everybody can pray however they want. It's fine. Just let everybody have their faith. 
it's all good. Because <laughs> like, as it's going to turn out, as we're going to find out very shortly, we're not alone. We're not the only biology out there. And that we're not the only religions. There's other religions of other biology on other planets. <laughs> and they're not fighting. We don't see any evidence of extraterrestrials fighting each other because they're not. They're not fighting. <laughs> we're fighting because we're in the old days. We're in the, the dawn ages, I'd like to call it where we're starting to figure stuff out, but we're still killing each other because we're different colors and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, how absurd is that? Like when the blue people come down, are we going to have different bathrooms for them and stuff and segregate them? I don't think so. We're going to be like, oh, there's blue people. Wow. We were all upset about different shades of brown. Like who's more brown, right? When the purple people and the blue people and the orange people come, I mean, we're going to be like, whoa, racism makes no sense. We're like, we're like, remember grandpa when you guys used to discriminate against different colors of the same species? <laughs> you guys are so ridiculous. Now you know that there's like billions of species out there and they're not discriminating against you. You guys are just like babies and you're still trying to figure out how to like communicate with the rest of the people out there. Like, I feel like we're just... We're messing up, we're messing up big time, but we're gonna make it, we're gonna figure it out because you know, there's a lot of good people that are figuring out a lot of cool stuff and they're smarter and more resonant than the bad people. And so the good stuff is actually gonna win out because that's how the universe kind of works. You'll notice that like when ancient technologies like the Ark of the Covenant were tried to be used for bad purposes, it didn't work out so well for those people, right? Like. You know, you have to be pure of heart in the eyes of the Lord or else you get struck down by the Ark of the Covenant. That was real stuff like technology of the universe works in a way where if you don't have an appropriate level of, of resonance in yourself and an appropriate level of consciousness, then you can't use the most powerful forces for evil. Um, I think that the evil folks are not evil. They're just extra confused. And the confused people are going to become less confused as the people that are in resonance with how things actually work show the rest of us how that works. And everybody will naturally move towards the more resonant solution. And the people that are fighting against that flow are going to have a harder and harder time. It's not going to be uh, neat. It's going to be kind of a messy process as we're witnessing right now. But I, I'm very, you know, optimistic. I feel like we're going to make it. Um, and it's an important time for us to have these kinds of conversations because stuff's super confusing, you know, all across from physics to medicine to social, uh, political, all of it, you know. Um, but the, it's good to see that the change is happening faster than ever in a good direction, mostly, I think. Wow. Well, you, you shared a lot there. And, and as far as the, you know, extraterrestrial thing goes, the way that I was told um, this, and it made sense to me was from studying with David Lone Bear, who's a Native American elder. And I studied with uh, three different indigenous elders and to all of them, extraterrestrials were something normal. Like, you, you know, you got a, a cat or, or, a, or a cow. You're familiar with that. It was the same thing to them. Um, and then they said to me that there are thousands of species and they actually said that they're here now. And I thought that that was very fascinating. Um, but, you know, when they would converse with each other, because I, I witnessed them conversing with each other, um, it was much more normal. Like if you've ever been to uh, contact in the desert, which I was fortunate enough to attend one, which was awesome. Um, you know, I, I love those ideas, but the, the let's just say, um, regular people that are not indigenous it's like more like amazing 
right? And they have all these different things. But for them, it was just, it was very serious and a normal thing. It was just a, a totally different type of conversation. And one of the things that they said is, it's like, your, your civilization needs to grow up. You know, he's like, that. your next big upgrade for humanity is peace. That's what he said. He's like, you guys need to be peaceful. And then I see it as like violent teenagers. If you did have uh, another species witnessing us, you know, and be like, holy crap, like that's a dangerous place. These people are dangerous. They are not cooperating. Um, and so hopefully- you know, we will, we will be opened up to a bigger scope of reality and where we are and what's happening and get more connected to the truth. I think that people get more and more angry, the more that they get disconnected from the truth. So let's just say right now, um, you know, you lived on a farm and you knew how to grow your own food and vegetables and you didn't watch TV, you would be in harmony right now. This would not be affecting you because, you know, we've, we've lost touch with how to live. We're not, all you really need to know as a human being is how to get clean water, how to grow food and pot potentially hunt. You know, if you're vegan, you still might need to, you know, hunt. You don't have to, if you're really good at growing vegetables. Um, but that's it. That's what we require to be human. That, that puts us in harmony with nature, uh, with each other, with community. We have lost all that, right? And we're so into this digital world. And one of the other prophecies, David Lombear said, he said, we had a prophecy in the Mi'kmaq that talked about uh, the rainbow monster stealing the, the minds of your children. Right. And so we have this whole generation of television now. Right. And people don't know what's real and what's not real. You know, you can go on Photoshop and make something different. We're plastered to these screens. We're not out in nature. We're not observing reality as it is. We're looking at more and more artificial realities. We're, you know, with with now even the VR, we're, we're living in artificial ways. And so this might be a calling back to say, OK, how do we get in alignment with who we are? and natural law and universal law and, and, and get in, um, yeah, just get in alignment because then everything's going to operate a little bit better. Um, everyone will have food, water, shelter. We're going to improve our, our ways of energy, of communication, of industry, of, of, um, every, every aspect. Right. And we won't take too much, you know, that, that was another principle that they taught me was that, you know, when you go into, you know, you know, capitalism, I don't think is all bad. I think it's great in a lot of different ways, but we also have to be mindful of what we're taking, right? You know, how is it regenerative? Is what we're doing regenerative or, or is it just straight up harmful? And so when we can be cognizant of how we operate as individuals, I, I like what you said, it'll, it'll resonate out with our communities, right? Once we see a person in harmony, we want that harmony. And what's happening is I think that people who are getting more and more disconnected with reality and become more and more confused, they become more and more angry because there's this huge space and they, and they require you to behave or believe in a certain way because it throws off their world. And when they observe something different, it's another, you know, it's a level of disharmony. So I feel like it's going to be um, an individual process. And I'm curious, you know, the way that you see things going from these ancient civilizations, because one of the things that I've learned about those civilizations is they got wiped out. You know, where do they go? Some of the, some, I've heard that maybe the Mayans ascended, who knows about that? Um, you know, but I'd be curious with your study of these ancient civilizations, you know, how did they, what do you think happened to them? And uh, how do we take their wisdom and apply it to where we are today? Because even the, the Mayan elder, I, I was friends with uh, Carlos Barrios, you know, he talked about a troubled time. He, his daughter even actually told me, he said, whole life, he said, you know, around the 2020s, it's going to be a very troubling time on this planet. And it seems like this is our oppor opportunity to either come together and, and stop participating in harm. You know, stop participating and making someone else do what you 
um, you know, think they should. They have to have autonomy. You can't enforce something on another person as long as they're not directly causing you harm. Um, and so then we can get even some weirdness there. But, uh, you know, she said that his whole life, he said this was going to be this challenging time. And are we going to make it as a civilization? I'm hopeful because I feel like that internal impulse is within all of us, you know, and we want to cooperate and we want to be in harmony with ourselves and our community and nature. And it's unnatural for us to be um, in this disharmony. And I feel like it's manufactured on purpose through the media and some nefarious means. And when we can just stop participating, we can build something beautiful. Yeah, I, I think that's that's in alignment with where the information points. Uh, you look back to these ancient civilizations, it is normal for them to be interacting with, you know, spirit realm or whatever you want to call it. The Aborigines would talk about dream time. All these different civilizations have these different connections to these beings. It would make sense. I mean, there's a theory out there that that, you know, this planet was visited and knowledge was given. And then maybe one scenario is that they were, you know, grooming us, like putting biology on this planet, letting it evolve to a certain point, um, getting to a certain level of, of, uh, of hominids, and then saying, oh, this species isn't working out. <laughs> um, let's, let's revise this. And then like, you know, not helping anybody out when cataclysms happen and extinctions happen, then another species evolves and it gets a little bit more evolved. And then there's this missing link that we heard about in evolution, right? Where all of a sudden the branches stop and then Homo sapien just shows up. <coughs> That's more like a missing chain. It's not just a small change, you know. William Brown, the great biophysicist who works at Resonant Science Foundation did his dissertation on where he thought the human genome was gene edited in the history of our civilization, intentionally gene edited. And of course, he got kicked out of university for writing that paper. So like, you know, the, the people aren't even open to the suggestion of this, but the evidence is there. You look at the DNA, you're like, how did this happen? Like so quickly, our cranium got really big. So long story short, there's probably a lot of species. There probably have been around for like, I don't know, billions of years longer than us. I mean, imagine what's your, what's your phone going to look like in a hundred years? Like, what did your phone look like 20 years ago? It wasn't very long ago at all. It was really different than it is now. Like pretty different. <laughs> you weren't like doing video. You weren't like texting was, woo, I can text, right? What's your phone going to look like in a hundred years? What's your phone going to look like in a thousand years? What's your technology going to look like if we were around for another billion years, right? So if there were folks around for the last billion years, then they have no problem being here right now, invisible, like Romulan ship cloaking style. Like we can already start to see how we might do stuff like oh if we could just vibrate faster than the speed of light there's no way for anybody here to like interact with us because you can't see that stuff you know so like who knows like what technology they might have and so sure they could be here they could be guiding us they could be watching us they could be i mean wow we're really lucky there wasn't a nuclear war 
really? You think the Cold War was a Cold War because everybody was so well behaved that no one ever tried to press the red button? They definitely tried to press the red button, right? And they knew that we were going to try to press the red button. And so if you go back into the archives, you can find that there were military guys who testified in Congress. Yeah, I was guarding the missile silos in North Dakota. And then this weird red light showed up over the silos. And all of a sudden, all of our systems went down. And so the military was probably like, oh, my God, we're under attack, right? And it was more like, now, now, children, you're not going to mess up our experiment with one button press. We're just going to turn those off for now and just like hope that you guys can work it out. Because like prime directive in Star Trek style, they're probably like, let's just wait and let them brew here for a little while and work it out. And then when they stop shooting at us, maybe we can come talk to them. Like you'll notice the Mexicans, they were like, oh, the ships are coming out over this volcano and stuff. Okay. They told their military, look, guys, just don't fly over there. Let those guys have that space over there. When the ships come to American airspace, what do we do? Our military sends F-16s up, starts chasing them. It's not safe here. I feel like anybody who's been recruited to like be in a ship that comes to Earth it's like being a janitor or something. It's not a very good job. It's like pretty low on the totem pole. Like, oh my God, you're going to send me back down there again. Oh man, I feel like I have to put a suit on just to protect myself from their bad vibes. That place has got bad vibes. <laughs> like coming to earth is probably like, oh, I got to go to that incoherent place where the barbarians are still hitting themselves over the head with two by fours because their books say different things. I mean, that's literally what we're doing. We're like, your book says this and my book says this like Three Stooges style. Like, really? Come on. You don't need to like start hitting each other over the head because you don't like the other guy's book. These guys are up here being like, oh my God, come on. You guys get, and they're like, oh, look, there's Jamie and Matt talking about us. Yay. <laughs> like somebody, somebody's trying to get it to be better instead of fighting like sweet, you know, I don't know. I like making, I make, I like making light of it so that it is easier to deal with. <laughs> You know, because like it can be overwhelming when you go down the rabbit hole and you're one of the people who knows that more than most people. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I definitely agree with that. It, you know, I say in before the show, I was so fascinated why we had war and starvation on the planet. You know, we're looking at this, uh, you know, the Corona thing and everyone's losing their marbles. But I was like, well, nobody cared when I kept saying, hey, like we got 9.1 million people that die of starvation each year. And we know what the solution is. What's going on? with our species if we can't solve that what systems are in place what what things are we not addressing where we, we we're, we're not extending the compassion to those who are starving to death right now you know it, it can when, when you are like that like me you know often you put the whole world on your shoulders like how do i stop this you know could i if i could push push the button and uh you know make that stop i definitely would but i feel like over time as i've gotten a little bit older um the one thing I know we can do is we can get into alignment with who we are and we can make a difference in our community and we can be aware of these things, but we need to grow strong um, and be the people that we want to see. Cause maybe we're setting the example. Maybe this is a slower evolution than we want. You know, maybe it could happen where we evolve instantaneously into a higher state of consciousness or awareness, which would be amazing. And I hope for that. Um, but maybe we just set the example for, you know, other people to observe, right. And that little ripple, that vibrational ripple of harmony just starts to go out and go out until you get the hundredth monkey effect. So we can take definite responsibility for that. And I love no the idea of, 
Um, you know, I, I always frame it as team earth when I'm talking about the alien examples, like if there was an interstellar Olympics, uh, we wouldn't be invited, you know, cause we would be too wild, but what would happen if all of our cultures of the world actually cooperated? And the nice thing is we don't need any kind of government structure to, um, to do this for us. And I, and I think like overall what's happened when you study history and you understand where this immense power and influence in these structures come from, it's from a small group of people you know, that really have enormous influence. Like, you know, if you just even think about, you know, Bill Gates with the farmland, you know, buying up all the farmland, imagine like I was looking at getting land out West, imagine you had $10 billion right? I could buy a lot of Ohio for that. You know what I mean? With a 10 billion, I could buy a, a, most of land for sale in British Columbia, Canada with that kind of money. So when you have this enormous influence, um, you know, affecting so many people that can be detrimental, but the good news is the people on the ground, they just need to participate with each other. That's it. We just need to participate and decide what we want to do, you know? And so if we can do that across the world and, you know, and say, let's, let's work together. We don't need anybody to tell us we can or uh, cannot work together. Let's work together and find solutions. Um, you know, we could, we could live in a beautiful world and get invited to the interstellar uh, Olympics because then li literally anything becomes possible because when you study these ancient civilizations, I think what we're looking for ultimately, first of all, is peace and prosperity, clean food, clean water, peace, opportunity to grow and learn and expand, you know, and, and most people are constituted in that way. And so when we explore things like, um, you know, ancient civilizations, physics, um, really deep philosophical questions, when we get to the root of being human, we need to remember what that is too, right? Just being on the earth, respecting the earth, like the indigenous cultures have, you know, framing it as caretakers of the land and then combining that with our desire to grow. And I think that will grow simultaneously within technology, but also remembering the technology of the body, the technology of the soul, the technology of the psyche and the mind and the evolution of what a human being is and to harmonize with that. So um, that's my rant. You have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I call it festival earth. Oh yeah. I could dig it. Yeah. Where, you know, I want the religions to celebrate each other. Uh, I think that's, man, it's one of the toughest things, right? Like some of the base conflict on this planet comes down to different religions being opposed to each other and stuff. And I'd like to see a festival, right? Where each stage is a different religion. Like, let's go to the Hindu stage. It's beautifully decorated. They've got incense and sitars. Then we're going to go to the Islamic stage. And it's beautifully tiled with all this sacred geometry and stuff. Then I'm going to go to the Jewish stage and get on that chair and do that circular dance in a circle. I mean, all the religions have really amazing stuff that they do that are really cool. Like every tradition has got a different style. And I love seeing how Native Americans do their ceremony and it's totally different than the way you know a buddhist would do a ceremony in tibet and it's awesome like so let's have everybody just be in alignment with themselves like you were saying and let everybody have their diverse opinions and their diverse ways of of doing stuff and their food is different like imagine if all the food was the same i mean i love going to another country and trying dishes and flavors that I've never tried and finding, discovering stuff, you know, who would have thought sushi, you know, like I didn't eat very much sushi until I went <laughs> to college and somebody was like, we're going to go have sushi. I'm like, raw fish, really? I'm try that. Okay. And now I'm like, sushi is one of my favorite things, you know? So 
The same thing can be said for any style of anything, faith, yoga, music, whatever, architecture. Man, the diversity is where it's at. Look at nature. Nature doesn't make one species or like one kind of thing. There's so many kinds of things interacting in different ways. Just the biome in our gut, right? Like just amazing diversity. We didn't, we're just starting to figure out that like neurological diseases are related to gut bacteria. I mean, we're just like, wait, what? How, who, who thought that was like, wait, what we can gene edit? We have CRISPR. We can like change the genome. If we can change the genome back here in the early days before we understand technology, imagine what those folks that have been around for billions of years longer than us can do with biology. So it's not hard to imagine that we're genetically engineered, that we're GMOs, that we're genetically modified organisms ourselves right now. Like, all, that's why I say all bets are off. Everybody's like, oh, we understand how stuff goes. Look, we've got the standard model. We can, we understand how to fly. I mean, remember when people used to say like, there's no way anything heavier than air can fly. Here's the physics paper. I can prove it with a physics paper. And then the Wright brothers were like, hold my beer. And now we just yesterday were like, hold my beer again. I'm going to fly on another planet. Thank you very much. With 1% of the density of this atmosphere. I mean, that's a pretty short amount of time from like, there's no way anything heavier than air can fly to I'm going to remote control fly on another planet in a hundred something years or whatever. Yeah, of course there's extraterrestrials. Of course they can fly around faster than the speed of light. You think we're going to spend 150,000 years to get to the other side of the galaxy? Galaxy is a tiny, 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 tiny little thing. Yeah, we're going to figure out how to go faster than the speed of light. We're going to join the community that's out there. I mean, I just feel like what an interesting time to be alive that we're like, it's, you know, after horse and buggy, but before light speed travel, you know, we're in this, like, in that, like, shoulder zone of technology where well, we're, we're just the- starting to figure out stuff. Ooh, electric cars, ooh, bubble trains, and, like, yeah, whatever. We still have to dig into the ground to find a bunch of stuff that's been compactified with lots of pressure over a long period of time, put it in a giant phallus, put some people on the top of it, light the bottom, hope it doesn't blow up as it goes up, or blow up when it comes back down, which it does sometimes. It's like, we're in primitive technology land still, like combustion, really? Oh, there's a limited amount of energy, quick, hoard resources so we can burn stuff to make wheels turn so we can drive. Oh my God, it's like old, we're in the <laughs> old days, man. We're back, we're like ancient right now. I was thinking it's like the uh, the awkward teenage years and that's why we're so violent, you know what I mean? We're kind I don't of even like- know if we're in the teenage years, that's like- <laughs> Yeah, we're in like preteens at best, I think. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. It's it's it is a very fascinating time to be alive, and I think that you know the technology side of this uh, will happen in leaps and bounds when we first discover peace. But we have to have peace within ourselves and our communities because you know even if you look at those old technologies, sometimes. Um, you know, I've heard stories where Tesla maybe destroyed a technology so it wouldn't harm people. And right now, if we have these super technologies and you look at the history of, of mankind, it was the advancement of warfare, right? That always, you know, kind of really influenced civilizations and, and everybody wants to conquer. And we have this, you know, conquering nature where we have to grow up as a civilization. And the first step in doing that is growing up yourself. And, uh, when I had, um, 
Tom Campbell on, uh, he would always talk about that, you know, simulation theory physicist. And he said, you know, this is our opportunity to grow up. We need, we need to become adults here. And so what you can take responsibility for is yourself, because when you have a whole bunch of other adults, um, you want the best for other people. And you want to extend that to your, your family and all, you know, from not just the humans, but all life here, you know, to make sure that it's harmonious and cooperative, because if you're out of cooperation, you know, nature is going to ding you for it. You eventually sooner or later, nature is going to ding you for it. And I think that, you know, my belief anyway, the earth and whatever this higher intelligence is, or the ether or unified field, it's smarter than us, you know, and if it decides that, you know, we need to be, you know, put in check and smacked, you know, it's going to do that in some sort of way. And if we can live harmoniously here and align with it, then we're going to have a very beautiful experience. So um, yeah, just be curious, uh, you know, your thoughts on, what do you think humanity can do um, moving forward? The most important thing with everything you've learned in your studies of ancient civilizations and physics and things like that, you know, what would you recommend to, you know, people of the earth, if you were on the spaceship, um, you know, just giving us a few tips to say, okay, guys, like, here's some ideas to get it together here. Just observe nature and act like that. Straight up, just be in alignment with what is naturally happening. So in terms of technology, best thing we could do is just figure out how to make a star because all matter, all atoms come out of the center of stars. So if we could just make a little star, just do what nature does, you know, contain what, like we do with a dam, for example, right? We have the gravity potential of water. It goes through the dam. It turns the turbine. And then lucky for us, the water goes down the river into the ocean, it evaporates, it makes a cloud, the cloud moves over like this, it rains back down in the lake. Thanks, nature. <laughs> like, you didn't have to tell nature or pay nature to fill that tank for you. You just like take a little bit of energy out of the natural process of this water cycle. Now let's make technology that pulls a little bit of energy directly out of the space because space is completely filled with energy and it's everywhere. If you could do that, you have an unlimited amount of energy no matter where you are. As soon as you do that, scarcity consciousness goes away and it becomes abundance consciousness. It's like, okay, I've got as much money and as much time and as much energy as I want. Now what do I do? Let's see how beautiful we can make everything. Let's see how great this track can sound. Let me remaster that, you know, instead of it being like, let's just try to barely get enough food to survive. It's like, okay, we all have enough to survive. That's no, no one, no worries. You have as much food and money as you want because we have unlimited amount of energy. That would be a very fun place to be. I'd love to see us get towards that. And the way you do that is just be like nature. Just figure out how nature works and you know, stay within the natural flow of the way the universe is already operating and you're gonna be in resonance and harmony and working in collaboration with the universe instead of blowing up the universe to make energy, which is what we're doing right now. Like, oh, let's blow something up so we can make energy, even though it's like, you're made of that. <laughs> you are that energy. It's like, that's what people forget. It's like all your atoms that are 99.9999% space, that space is the unified field, is the ether, is God, is the mana, prana, chi, vacuum, uh, source fields, quantum foam, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so we can all tap into that right now. And the way you do that is by putting your attention into the center of your existence. And it does help to do some breathing and some, you know, stretching and um, be an organism that we are um, biologically. 
but knowing that we're absolutely interconnected and there's no separation, it's all an illusion. The separation is an illusion. The time space is an illusion. And anything that we think we know is probably different than what we think. And just like, we should just concentrate on having fun as far as I can tell. Um, seeing how much fun we can have, trying to get other people to have more fun by making it easier for them to have fun. Um, it brings me a lot of, you know, happiness to be able to stay in that zone. That's why I got into festivals so much and have gone to so many festivals and played at so many festivals and talked exactly like I'm talking now in presentations at festivals. Um, and I saw Nassim at a festival. So I am all about festival earth. I'd love to see us, you know, get to that point where it's like, oh, today this religion in this country is celebrating this. So the whole world should celebrate with them. You know, oh, it's Ramadan. Oh, it's Passover. Oh, it's Easter. Oh, it's, you know, the end of the Mayan calendar or whatever it is, like all of it. Let everybody celebrate however they want. Um, Festival Earth all the way. I love that, man. Well, I would, I would be definitely a participant in that. And, uh, you know, oh, you're before, already in it. You're, uh, you're yeah, deep yeah. in it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, that's, that sounds fun, man. I, and, and going to so many, even just festivals, the I- ideology of that in the community, the community of earth, you know what I mean? Stop. It's just a segregation, right? Divide and conquer. There's all kinds of stories about history and how maybe that was manufactured, right? Different languages, different cultures, you know, to, to hate someone else, right? And so we need to just get rid of that within ourselves and then, and then to be the solution. So um, I'm definitely confident in the way things are going to because I do think that nature always wins, right? And that's the cooperative divine force that is within all of us. So there might be some um, challenges for us, but, you know, the more that we collaborate, uh, the quicker that this moves in a more positive direction. And so I kind of see that, um, man, this has been awesome. I've been looking forward to this chat for a while. Is there anything that you wish that I had asked or that you want to discuss before we close this show? (laughs) Out of the infinite number of things, which of those infinite things didn't we cover? Exactly. Um, (laughs) Damn. Uh, I don't know, man. I would say that if people are interested in knowing about the fundamental process of how the universe works and understanding unified field theory, you're in luck because Resonance Science Foundation has a free course in the Resonance Academy and it's at resonancescience.org. If you go to resonancescience.org, it's right there. Uh, six modules, it's Nassim's life's work and it goes through the history of physics. It goes through a worldview shift. It goes into modern physics. It goes into the implications and applications of that physics in the future. And they're about to add a new module to it, uh, which includes more recent papers from Nassim. And so that's a good place to start in terms of learning the physics. And I find that the physics really helps because it's foundational, right? It'll, it'll apply to whatever you're doing, whether it be like, you know, something that's in business and in work, or if it's more of a personal nature and it's more about religion or philosophy and stuff like that, no matter what you're up to, unification physics is going to apply because you are in the universe (laughs) and that's, (laughs) you can't really get out of the universe and people talk about going to other dimensions, but what's a dimension? Really? Are you going to define dimension really accurately for me before you say that? Most people don't. And so the sim does. He's like, what are you talking about? What do you mean a dimension? So he starts there, right? With the story of the dimensions. And if we're wrong about the dimensions, then we're probably wrong about a lot of stuff. And there's a good chance that we're wrong about the dimensions. So uh, 
I don't have time to go into, I would start launching into my whole presentation if I started explaining what's wrong with the dimensions, but just hopefully you'll go and check out that course at resonancescience.org and you'll see all that stuff. I also have a course in there in the Resonance Academy about Egypt, where I break down the Great Pyramid, the Sphinx and uh, the temple at Abydos, the Assyrian temple, because those are great examples of the technology and the encoding. And the, the discoveries are happening fast and furious in Egypt as well. Um, as you know, they just discovered a new city uh, near Luxor that they're saying is the biggest discovery since Tutankhamun's tomb. And only a couple of months before that, they found 100 mummies in Saqqara. And oh, only wow. a, a year before that, they opened up that pyramid, the Pyramid of Dozier at Saqqara. Um, we were like one of the very first groups, uh, public groups to go in before it was open to the public last last year, last February. And uh, hopefully going back here coming up uh, in October with Robert Edward Grant. So check out the work of Robert Edward Grant, check out the work of Nassim Haramein, and check out the work of Alan Green. Those are the three guys that I help support on a daily basis. Amazing. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, I didn't know about the Egypt discoveries and everybody you mentioned there is interesting. So, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming on the show. I invite people to go check out Resonance Science, do the course. I took it a couple of years ago and it was awesome. And uh, there's some other great courses in there as well. So just uh, thanks for your work and coming on the show, man. This was awesome. Well, thank you for your courage uh, for sticking your neck out there. Cause I, I, you know, I know a lot of folks talking about a lot of stuff and as far as I can tell, you've stuck your neck out farther than most people. Uh, and so it takes some bravery to, you know, have the courage to be like, I know there could be consequences for sticking my neck out, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so I'm just here to feedback to you. Like, thank you for doing that. Cause uh, not everybody can take that on. It's a lot. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Well, you know, we're all doing our part, you know, if we, if in our heart and our soul, we're committed to the solution, you know, we've got, you know, brothers and sisters all over the world who are rooting for us. So uh, I appreciate that acknowledgement and right back to you, man. Yeah, man, you have an ally over here. Sounds good. Well, Frank, the way Canada's going, I might have to hop the border, man. So <laughs> we'll see how it's going, dude. Yeah. Come uh, visit us. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, we, we'll, we'll, we could use more Canadians. <laughs> sounds good, man. All right. Well, take care. Thanks guys for watching. Yeah, you too. Thanks, okay. Matt. Peace. Have a good one. Take care. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Jamie Janover. I hope that you enjoyed that deep dive. Uh, Jamie's such a fascinating guy. The Resonance Science Foundation is so interesting. I always have fond memories of going to Egypt with all these amazing people exploring topics like ancient uh, aliens, uh, ancient civilizations, power, energy, alternative energy, you know, so many amazing topics I love diving into. So I hope that you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, please share, please become a member, go to mattbelair.com, join the membership. You can do it by donation or even for free. If you email me, if there's a, a donation amount there that you don't uh, see, um, thank you for the support there. They want to delete me on Patreon now. So please go over there to do that. You can also find the show on rockfin forward slash mattbelair. I'm also on odyssey i'm on telegram t.me forward slash matt belair so we're doing what we can to get the truth out there to get the word out there and for those of you guys who uh, really want to work one-on-one -on -one, you know you want to know what your life purpose is your dharma is you want to get very clear on the direction of your life you want like-minded community you want to be in a place where people are celebrating you supporting you giving you the tools you need to accelerate your life um, to know who you are and what you want to build and tools for building them in every step of the way hit me up mattbelair.com forward slash coaching um you know 
we can design your reality, architect it from the heart and soul. And I feel like that's one of the major things that we can do as a civilization and a community to transform this world, to know who we are, um, to give back to our community in a way that's aligned with our vocation and our way of being. And uh, this inspires other people. So it's, it, takes a strong heart and soul to do that. So maybe you're in a, in a job, but that's not a career. Uh, maybe you're looking to make some changes, or maybe you just want to accelerate the growth of your uh, entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, either way, hit me up, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. would love to work with you, support, support you. There are many ways that we can do this to help you accelerate your growth. So uh, if that's interesting, hit me up and uh, yeah, leave a review, share, do what you can because it's uh, it's a battleground out there. And I uh, just appreciate you guys for being here and uh, sending you all of my love, well wishes, good vibes, prayers, and support to you and your family as we go through this. And uh, yeah, let's just come into a state of peace and coherence. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell and muscle and fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, inspiration, connection, courage, and ready to enjoy the rest of your day. So thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.